Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I just got back from nine days in the beautiful area of Cape Town, South Africa. It was the first time that my wife and I were able to get away from our children in five years. We have a five-year-old and we have a two-year-old, and we've never been away from them more than 24 hours. I love my boys. They're a lot of fun. They're a lot of energy. They're a lot of crazy. But I might love vacation without them just as much. (laughs) Okay, I kid, I kid. But seriously, the time in Cape Town was wonderful, and it was Uh, The first time I'd been to the city, I'd been to Johannesburg before, but I'd never been to the Cape area, and it's just so beautiful. Every time I go to somewhere that this really kind of gets in my blood like that, I find myself looking at real estate websites, and I tried really hard not to do it this time. I I did, but I made it to like day seven, maybe day eight. There I was, sitting at a vineyard waiting for my wine to come. My wife was off looking at something, and I pulled out my phone, and I looked up real estate near me. And how can you have a city or an area, really not just Cape Town, but like there's lots of little areas. We were in this one particular spot for a couple of days called Stolenbosch. And it's this vineyard, it's like Napa Valley transported just 25, 35 minutes outside of Cape Town. It's like one of the most beautiful wine growing regions in the world. And there's one thing, there's one thing that every wine region in the world shares in common. They're all so dang beautiful. If you're growing good wine, and I've had some good wine from Australia, particularly Hunter's Valley. Love me some Hunter's Valley Syrah. But if you're growing good wine, you're in a beautiful spot. So here I am in this beautiful spot at this wine farm, looking up real estate, and my heart just broke. You see, living in middle of America in the wintertime with seemingly endless gray skies and cold rain and sometimes snow, but most of the time it's just like snow and rain mixed at the same time. I have this tendency to dream of more beautiful, warmer, sunnier climate. And most of the time, when you find those places, they're very expensive. However, my trip to Cape Town, when I looked up real estate, I was like, I can get a house here for the same price as my lame house in middle America. I need to figure out how to do this fire lifestyle. Cape Town has put the lust of the fire lifestyle, the financial independence, retire early lifestyle in my bones once again. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Not only just the fire lifestyle, we're going to look at one particular investor who has gone above and beyond for 40 years, my entire life. He has been living the fire lifestyle. So we're going to talk about his strategy, what he does to invest, because there's lots of different types and ways that you can invest and live the fire life. And we're going to talk about some of those throughout the year this year and in the coming years. So today I want to talk about one particular way. If you're wondering, like, how can I even begin to dream or begin to plan? Like, what does it actually look like to be financially independent and retire early? What is the number that I need to get to, to be financially independent and retire early? And then here will be a specific strategy. We're actually going to dig in to this investor's strategy of how he's been living the fire life for 40 years. And then we're going to talk about maybe you're not there yet, but maybe you want to dream. Maybe you want a little... A little wonderlust. 
we're going to talk about places right now around the world that you can live the fire life in an affordable and sometimes not affordable lifestyle. So we're going to go through three different categories of where in the world can you afford to live and retire early? You're listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Let's get into it. FIRE. Again, FIRE is the acronym for Financial Independence Retire Early. And many of you listening to the show might be on the FIRE journey yourself. You're trying to get that financial independence as soon as possible so that you can retire early as soon as possible. You're, you're trying to invest as much money as you can right now into the stock market and to different things to make your money make money so that you can retire early. Or at least you can have the option to retire early. Many of you might really like your jobs. I like my job. That doesn't mean that I don't want to be financially independent. That doesn't mean I don't want to have options to be able to retire early. Many people on the FIRE journey are not going to have the same type of retirement as many people, quote, think retirement is. I guess that's the whole point, right? Like, I don't want to wait until I'm old and decrepit to be able to travel the world and to go on hikes and to go on some epic adventures as much as I want to. You see, there's this thought of like older generations, maybe like the pension generations where you just worked at a company for 40 years and then when you were old and all the life was sucked out of you, you, you retired and you went to Del Boca Vista with Jerry Seinfeld's parents and you just sat around and did crossword puzzles. Like, Not all of us want that. Like, Many of us want to figure out how can we save and invest now and make that a more tangible, earlier life goal so that we can squeeze the life out of ourselves. We can adventure now and not be the pawn of maybe a different company. And not all companies are bad. Trust me. I I love where I work. And I hope where you love where you work as well. But the fire lifestyle, that's what we're talking about today. So once you've figured out, yeah, like I want to do that, then you need to figure out your number. How much money will you need to live that fire life? Today, we're going to be talking about different areas that you could live for 20 years was the state of. What the data that came out said you could live in these particular countries for 20 years on blank, blank amount of money. And we're going to end the show talking about that. One of the difficult things of putting together your numbers for your fire life is that you probably live in an expensive city. Maybe you're listening from Sydney, Australia, or London, England, or San Francisco, California. The number you need to live that fire lifestyle in those cities is dramatically higher than if you found a city with a more reasonable cost of living. I live in one of those cities of a more reasonable cost of living, or although I love my city, it's a little ugly sometimes. It's flat. It's gray. It's rainy. It's like not particularly loving the views of the city. I just love the frugality, the affordableness, the cheapness of the city. It provides enough things to keep me interested most of the year, and it is a very cheap city to live in that I can plug money into investments and build towards my fire lifestyle. So it's difficult to find the best of both worlds, and we're going to try to find the best of both worlds at the end of the show. But again, the problem is you might be, you might end up, if you want to do the fire lifestyle, you might end up in a less desirable location because of cost effectiveness. But let's look at the whole map, my friends. Let's take a look and say, hey, what can we do to have a beautiful place and live financially independent and retire early? But you need to look at that number. You need to find out that number, and it would also help if you have a strategy to go behind it. So let's dig into a strategy. But first, let's talk about today's fun fact. Fun fact. Today's fun fact. Did you know that Martha Stewart, hopefully you know who Martha Stewart is. Martha Stewart 
went to prison, I don't know, 20 years ago, probably, maybe 15 years ago, for insider trading. I guess someone gave her an insider trading tip. Uh, she acted on it. She made some money, and she was arrested and actually was put in jail for some time. And Martha Stewart's prison nickname was M. Diddy. And that was today's fun fact. There are many strategies far and wide to live the fire lifestyle, but I wanted to start today by talking about one particular individual, in fact, possibly the godfather of fire itself. His name was Tom Engel. And Tom, again, as I told you, has lived 40 years the fire lifestyle. But guess what? When Tom started the fire lifestyle, he only worked for nine years and then quit. And he has lived off those nine years of income and his portfolio management since 1981. He obviously is a great investor, and he has a brilliant cash management strategy that I think we need to talk about. This particular strategy is just one of many different types of strategies if you want to live the fire life. So let's take a look. Let's try to learn something from our buddy Tom. Tom has a hybrid growth and value investor. So he looks for companies that are undervalued, that he thinks um, there will be appreciation, and then he looks for companies that maybe young, smaller startups that are going to have high growth. He owns dozens of stocks, but keeps most of his capital in 25 what he calls super stocks. These are high-quality, profitable businesses that he believes can grow revenue and profits for 10-plus years. And obviously, he must have picked well and is continuing to pick well. This is, a, this is a real dude. Like We're talking about a real investor. Examples of some of Tom's super stocks that he's identified in the past are Apple, Amazon, Activision, Berkshire Hathaway, Chipotle, Google, and Netflix, among many others. If you bought that group of stocks at good, valuable prices a while ago, yes, you've done very well. Now, let's say his portfolio numbers do differentiate a little bit, but I just want to talk about, like, let's use the number of $1 million, because a lot of people have $1 million as, like, that financial fire number that you can say, okay, it's enough. I can figure out how to live off $1 million for the rest of my life if I'm frugal and I have a good management strategy like Tom. So, for this example, let's say Tom has a $1 million portfolio. Tom is happy with the $1 million and wants to keep it safe. You see, keeping capital safe, capital preservation is an important strategy if you're trying to live off of that $1 million. He mentally calls this $1 million his protected value. And all of his cash management decisions are based on that $1 million protected value number. Tom studies the market and always has an idea if it's expensive, aka a bull market, or after a bull market really, or if it's fairly valued or cheap, a.k.a. after a bear market. And if you're listening in the year 2023, you might want to pay attention because the cheap section right now is starting to glare its head. There might still be some downside, but we are either in the midst or approaching maybe, God help us, the end of a bear market. So according to Tom's strategy, stocks should be nearing the fairly valued and or cheap time of our investing strategy. Here are his portfolio cash targets in all scenarios. He wants less than 5% in cheap. He wants 12% in normal and 20% in expensive stocks. No, this is just his portfolio cash. He also keeps a few years worth of living expenses on the side. So if Tom needs $50,000 a year, he might have $100,000 to $150,000 not invested, just an emergency fund, maybe in a bond fund, or maybe in a bond or something like that. This comes in handy for years like 2008 or maybe even 2022. This personal cash is not accounted in his $1 million portfolio decisions. When he looks at different markets, he looks at how they're based 
on different obvious bargains he can find. So if there's lots of bargains, he calls it a cheap market. There's bargains everywhere. In a normal market, there are some bargains. In an expensive market like 2021, there are basically no bargains anywhere. His cash target, again, is the $1 million protected value. So Lord willing and the creek don't rise, that's something they say here in the South, let's say a bull market comes around and his portfolio rises 30%. God, that was really stupid. I should not have said the market crick thing. Anyway, keep going. So Lord willing, a bull market comes around again and Tom's portfolio rises 30%. It is now worth $1.3 million. The problem is Tom can't find any obvious bargains and he thinks the entire market is expensive. Therefore, he will steadily trim on the way up as stocks are growing, building into his cash portfolio, which he will stop again at 20%. So as the stocks are growing on the way up, he is slowly selling out of positions and he stops at 20% of the protected value, aka $200,000. The bull market is going to inevitably end as they all do and it starts slowly falling back down. And as it falls back down, he adds to his favorite stocks as valuations slowly improve and obvious bargains appear. Let's get very practical here. Let's say he owned Apple from, I don't know, 2018. 18 is going good. 19 is going good. 20 is going good. He's probably starting to get a little nervous with Apple around 19 or around 2020. So he probably will start cutting and selling and taking profits from Apple as it falls, as it falls. And in 2000, or as, sorry, as it rises, as it rises, he's selling different little increments, taking profits. And then 2020 happens. The stock price is falling. He's buying back in. It falls. He buys back in. He falls. He buys back in. So he's dollar cost averaging into value as the stocks are falling in price. Each purchase, his valuation gets better. And the cash ratios of the company are improving. He's finding better and better values as stocks fall. Now let's say that his normal market of the portfolio falls back down to the 1 million as he sells and then as he buys. He's gone from 1.3 down to the 1 million. Again, he wants 12% of his portfolio in cash. So that's $120,000. And this figure moves up and down a little bit, but again, he's targeting that 12%. But because stuff is so appealing, because there's so many bargains out there, he just keeps buying and buying and buying. And eventually his cash is going to get a little bit less. But in a market where there's just so many good deals, like under 20%, or maybe his stock is down 30%. Maybe he liked Tesla. And Tesla has fallen from a high down to like 70%. So he's probably will be taking a lot of his cash and buying back into Tesla right now, if again, it fit his particular mode of what he liked in his super companies. So in a bad market like 2008 or 2022, Tom's portfolio in 2008 literally fell from a million down to 700,000. He was down 50% from his peak. And his $1 million protected value at that point looked like it was in jeopardy. But there was huge bargains everywhere. So he just keeps buying and buying and buying on the way down to the point that his protected value was only 1% cash. He normally wants 12%. And before he had up to 200000 which is 20%. But this particular instance in 2008, there were so many values out there that he kept buying and it dipped all the way down to 1%. Again, Tom can handle the volatility of big market moves like 2008 and 2022 because he has a year or two, sometimes three, set on the side, not included in this cash position. So when things get really bad and the market drops a lot, he's buying a lot because he is smart. He's doing the contrarian thing. When people are greedy, be fearful. When people are fearful, be greedy. And he can just dip into the two to three years of living expenses that he has. 
But guess what? After 2008, his portfolio was down to $700,000, but he was buying lots of companies. Within three to five years from the bottom, his portfolio doubled up to $2 million, powered by the super stocks and the bargains that he was doing. He's happy with that $2 million number. So guess what? The $2 million now becomes his new protected value. It used to be $1 million. Now he's bumped it up to two. His cash balance is now $240,000 instead of $120,000. Tom rinses and repeats each market cycle. As things get expensive, he sells towards the top. As things fall down and get more valuable, he buys towards the bottom. It seems simple, but Tom must be a psychologist because it takes so much grit to be able to do that type of strategy, especially be able to live off of that strategy and that portfolio in only nine years of work for over 40 years. Tom's an impressive investor. I think we can learn some lessons from Tom. I would say the number one that you really want to look through, we may not be as savvy as Tom, but being fearful when others are greedy and being greedy when others are fearful is really something we can all think about as investors, especially as you're in the fire lifestyle. Now, he's doing this to protect his capital because he's living off of this money. As you're an investor, you don't need to worry about as much going up and down, but you should be at least right now thinking about how far are we going to let indexes fall before we start taking money that we've had on the sidelines and buying again. Looking at values, looking at companies as maybe Tom says are cheap, now might be a time, you know, looking at first quarter 2023, might be a time where buying opportunities are either presenting themselves or will be presenting themselves very soon. At least that's what I'm looking in specifically. We don't want to get too much more into the weeds of Tom's portfolio, but again, larger lessons you can do it. Dude's been doing the fire life for 40 years off of nine years of work. So if you're excited about it, maybe you just got back from a trip like I did and you're trying to figure out how can I live like that? Today, we learned one strategy. After the break, we are going to look at uh, a report that was put together, a great infographic of the cost of a comfortable retirement around the world. We'll be right back. 2021, a company called NetCredit put together an infographic and it went over the cost of a comfortable retirement around the world. They have a certain set of standards and their goal was to figure out how much would it cost to live in different countries around the world compared to each other, keeping the same quality of life. They went over things like, you know, you obviously have to have internet access. You want to have the same standard of living in an apartment, probably with air con and two bedrooms and yada, yada, yada. They did the math and they went through the metrics 
and figured out how much it would cost to live in these countries to retire for the next 20 years. So if you want to live that fire life starting soon or right now, here are some countries that you can live in for 20 years. And maybe you are going to live for more than 20 years, so you just need to make more money. But this will give you an idea of how much you need to set aside. Tom's number earlier we talked about was $1 million. But do you need a million to live that fire life? Or maybe you just need to make it happen a little bit more. Maybe you need to work just a little bit harder. Or maybe find a country, be willing to move and be willing to be flexible, and you can start sooner than you ever thought possible. Obviously, there are a lot of countries that you do not want to live in around the world. So I've put together three different categories. Category one is the expensive, and you probably already live there. Category two, the warm and affordable. This will be the most likely for most of us to be able to move to. And then category three is the exotic. This will be for risk takers only. All right, category one, according to this company's research of where you can live for 20 years, here's how much it would cost to live in 20 years. And here's the top five most expensive countries in the world to live for the next 20 years. Coming at number one, a little surprising, Bermuda. You would need $1,065,000 to live 20 years comfortably in Bermuda. Number two, Singapore, $946,000 to retire in Singapore. Number three, Switzerland. You would need $842,000 to live comfortably 20 years in Switzerland. Number four, Hong Kong, $871,000 to live comfortably in Hong Kong. And wrapping up, there was a tie for number five, Luxembourg and Macau, tied for $758,000 to live comfortably for 20 years. Surprisingly, Australia, the United Kingdom, and the USA didn't make the top five. I actually thought one of those three would be in there. Australia, according to this research, says you need $555,000 to live for 20 years. The UK, you need $515,000 And the U.S., you actually need more, which I found shocking, $601,000. And why is the States more than the U.K. and the U.S.? Probably because the crazy prices of our stupid healthcare system. So those places, the top five, they're probably out of reach anytime soon. Like, if you're living that fire lifestyle in those, you're either a baller or you're a better investor than myself and Tom. But how about the places that we might actually be able to afford? Maybe somewhere we can get a house or a flat on the beach or in the mountains. We can eat out more than once a week and we can just enjoy our life. Here are the top five countries from the same list that are on my affordable and desirable list. Number one, Costa Rica with tons of beautiful beaches, tons of coastline. And then you go inside the coast just a little bit. You're bumping into rainforests and sloths and mountains. And you can live your fire life in Costa Rica for $370,000. I've been to Costa Rica, and I plan to go back fairly soon. Costa Rica, number one in the warm and affordable. Number two, as I started the show, South Africa. I fell in love with the Western Cape. And you can enjoy all the spoils of this wonderful country for a fire life of $305,000 over 20 years. Coming in at three and four, we've actually got a tie. Chile and Argentina. I've been to both these countries, and I love both these countries. Chile is one of the longest countries in the world and has like a bagillion miles of beach. Yes, that's a real number. And it's so skinny that it's basically just beach and or mountain. So with in Argentina, same way, tons of, it's bigger than Chile, but 
tons of beaches and tons of mountains. And with endless beaches and endless mountains, these two South American countries, you can call home for $300,000 in retirement. Number five, Portugal. Rich in history and close to the rest of Europe, you can find this lovely wine country affordable for your fire lifestyle of $429,000. Yes, it's the most expensive in this category. That's why I made it number five. But it's also the most developed and it's close to the rest of Europe. So if you get bored of Portugal, you hop on a train or a plane for like $100. Poof, you're in Barcelona. Poof, you're in London. Poof, you're in Paris. Portugal, $429,000. You can live your fire life for 20 years. And now the exotic. Let's say you can't dream of getting to $429,000, but you think maybe $250 is possible. Nick, what can I do for $250 and under? Here we go. The exotic. A few of these countries, mm, they might be a little bit less than your typical modern lifestyle. Maybe the power goes out every once in a while. Maybe um, the internet isn't as stable. Maybe the government isn't as stable. But hey, we're talking 250000 and under here. Don't get your hopes up too high. Number one on the list, Colombia. Far beyond the years of Pablo Escobar, you can now live comfortably in his ex-cocaine hideout Medellin for only $215,000 for 20 years. And Medellin is beautiful. It is a crazy mountainous town. It's pretty wild. There's also some islands off Colombia that you can probably live for like 300000 But Colombia, $215,000. Live that fire life. Number two, Mexico. Long has it been the hot travel destination for many Westerners. They head to Mexico now for retirement, not just for trips. 20 years in Mexico with a close proximity of the U.S. will only cost you $258,000. Have you ever wanted to live in Europe and Asia, but you can't decide which? Hey, Number three has you covered. Move to Turkey, the country that splits both continents. For 20 years, you can live in Turkey for $214,000. Number four, you've had their tea. You've had their tiki masala. Now are you ready for the heat and traffic jams? I've been to India many times. I love India, but boy, are they loud and it's hot. And where you're at depends on how much it's going to cost. And that's true of all these places on the list. Like if you're in Southern Delhi, uh, it's going to be more expensive than if you live even in just Northern Delhi. But overall, according to this list, you can settle in one of the expanding cities of India for $184,000 for 20 years. That is pretty affordable. Okay, number five. Lastly, the country that has a place near and dear in my heart Really, if it wasn't for the humidity and the difficulty to get to, being from America, difficult it is, Cambodia, a country full of wonderful people and an up-and-coming country. I had visited in 2017, and I hadn't been back until last year, and it's like almost a different country. The sky rises are everywhere. Uh, they're starting to clean some of the beaches. They're trying to get more tourism, getting lots of money poured in from China. And because of that, although it's still like these wonderful people that are fighting off kind of the Pol Pot travesty, uh, they're just so warm and so kind and just like, just great folks. Like I know a lot of good people in Cambodia and the food is good and the infrastructure is getting better. But because of this new infrastructure money, um, a lot of Chinese people are purchasing homes specifically in Phnom Penh 
and things are getting a little more expensive. So it's going to cost you $375,000 for 20 years in Cambodia. And really, if you don't want to live in Phnom Penh, you're willing to live in Siem Reap or Batsambam, you could probably do that for like two twenty-five. Anyway, that is the list. Where will you go? Will you find yourself in the middle category? Am I going to be bumping into you on my next visit to Buenos Aires? Will you be thinking about the ever-affordable $184,000 India? Or after looking at this list, you're like, I need to work harder and just stay in Australia or America. Either way, looking at these countries, looking at Tom, hopefully we've got an idea for investment strategies of how to live that FIRE life. And if you don't know about FIRE, you will soon because we'll continue to talk about it throughout the different episodes on this show. My Millennial Investor, where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. We'll see you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.